Welcome to the Women Empowered Podcast. I'm Jennifer Greenwell, and today I'm joined with Kristen Trivett of the Isaiah 117 House. If you have not heard about Isaiah 117 House, I don't know what rock you've been living under, but you certainly didn't watch the Super Bowl. Um, because uh, Isaiah 117 was featured in the Chick-fil-A ad with Kristen and her sweet family. In fact, I'm not sure if you mentioned the house, but that's the mission that we've got. Um, Chick-fil-A was awesome and did a very cool commercial during the Super Bowl about Kristen and her family and her sweet son, Kyle, and how they met and how Chick-fil-A helped them bond as a new family. So today we're going to talk to Kristen about Isaiah 117 House because she is an empowered woman and her mission is um, taking off like a rocket. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much. This is this is living out my podcast dreams. I know it's really <laughs> kind of fun and we look very official with our, yeah, our microphones. They're very fancy. Tell me the mission of Isaiah 117 House. Yes, yeah, so um, we have three goals um, for every guest that walks through our home. Um, our goals are to love the child, to support the caseworker, and to care for the foster family. Um, I knew nothing of foster care. I knew my whole life that I wanted to adopt. So for me, what that looked like was getting married, having a couple of children on our own, and um, when we were like financially stable, because you're financially stable with children, um, not at all, Never. Um, but that we would go to Africa and adopt a child because that's what I had seen adoption to look like, but I knew nothing of what it could look like. Um, Rhonda Paulson is our founder mm-hmm. and she had come to our church to speak. I had cheered for Rhonda in college and I always said that I wanted to, um, be Rhonda when I grew up one day and she came to speak and she started talking about foster care. She had started the journey a little bit um, before we did and after church one day I, she had spoken the whole service and said, did you know that when a child is removed and to go into foster care that they are taken to a DCS office, an office that looks like a conference room or a cube and they sit and they wait there with whatever they have, um, whatever they had to leave with is brought and it's put in a black trash bag. I say, if you didn't feel like trash before, you've just put your only belongings in a trash bag and they just have nothing. Um, And so I thought, I wanna know more about this. And so after church, I went up to Rhonda and I said, I'd like for you to be my mentor. And she said, what does a mentor do? (laughs) I said, I don't know. And so we had decided that we would start meeting once a week to talk about whatever that looked like. Uh, Foster care, adoption, Isaiah 117 house as it was forming and it was nothing at that point. Um, Nothing but an idea of what if. And so we were supposed to meet on a Saturday, but that week before um, is when I met my son. And so it was January 16th of 2017 and I had been moved to special ed to teach. And so I didn't have any students in my class at the time. And so I heard this little boy crying in the office, which you hear a child crying and you wanna go fix it. Like every teacher wants to go fix it. It was nothing about that day, but I walked out and I knew the only way I can describe it, like this is a feeling in my soul 
that I saw that little boy. And so I went over to him and he was holding on to his mama. He was, he was six years old and he was 33 pounds. Um, and so I walked over and I got down and I said, my name's Miss Trivet. Do you like iPads? He was like, yes, I do. Like his tears all the way, just go away. Give me an iPad. I'm really going to be happy. And so I brought him in my classroom and I sent a picture to Jason, my husband. And I said, I think I'm supposed to be his mom. And Jason typed back, don't say that out loud. You're going to lose your job. Right? Like <laughs> you cannot, you cannot say, um, but I knew. And so that is when I started learning what foster care was. Um, I started meeting with Rhonda and I'd say, something isn't right. Something's not right. He's starving. He's not coming to school. He's stuffing pizza in his backpack to take to his siblings. Um, I spent two months calling caseworker after caseworker saying, what's going to be done? What it, this little boy, he's starving, right? Um, we learned that he was homeless. He was living at the Park and Stay Hotel on the way to Jonesboro. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know there were children living in there. A lot of children. A lot of children. And when I said, I'm going there, our school resource officer, she goes, you're not going there. And I was like, oh no, I'm going, I'm going to go see what's, where is he? He's not at school today. Something's not right. Okay, fine, Kristen. She goes, but I'm coming with you. You're not going by yourself. <laughs> well, he took my principal and officer Brittany and we went there and there were seven children and four adults in one hotel room. And it was filthy. And I watched my son eating a sleeve of Ritz crackers with his siblings. And I said to his caseworker, you're going to remove him now, right? Like, this is it, right? Like, this is not safe. And he said, no, Kristen. He said, I've got to go here. And I have four children in a meth lab. I've got to go save those children today. And that's when I started seeing the caseworker and one of our goals is to love on that caseworker. And often we are finding that caseworkers are made to be the villain. Mm -hmm. But what I got to see is that caseworker who was missing time with his own family because he was going to save other children and get other children out of dire situations. And he was the one answering every phone call. Every time I said, something isn't right. He's not the villain. He's just overworked. Yeah. And nobody's taking the burden off of them. They're just putting more on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that kept going on for two months where I'd call and say, what? And then March 16th, he called and said, um, could you take a little boy? And I said, yes. He said, it'll be for five days. He said, right now he is alone in a trailer. His siblings, they had a different dad. And so their dad came to get them, but they didn't want Kyle. So he's scared and he's by himself. Can you come with me? Um, typically this is not the situation that a foster parent goes into mm -hmm. um, the removal, but I had been very involved as his teacher at that point. And so then I watched that caseworker go into this filthy trailer and he got on his knees he didn't have to. Mm -hmm. 
And he said, I know you don't want to go today. And I know you're scared, but I'm going to take you somewhere safe. That is who these caseworkers are. They're not trying to fight this, you know, uphill battle. They're alone. And, but they're the ones that are getting on the floor and saving these children. Um, and so our goal is to make that caseworker know that they're not alone as well. Um, what it looks like coming to the Isaiah 117 house, uh, a child is welcomed into a home. So no longer are they going into this office where the caseworker is the one that's responsible. So this child has just been removed and this child is thinking, this is my fault, right? right. Like everyone else in their life got to stay. Mm-hmm. And this child is the one being taken out. So what did I do wrong? And then they're taken to a conference room where they sit and they wait. And it could be for an hour. It could be for six days. But that child is the one who doesn't know what's happening. And the caseworker, the child's hungry. The caseworker has to go to Little Caesars and get that pizza. Mm-hmm. The child doesn't have any clothes on. The caseworker's the one running to Walmart and paying for this stuff. And there's no one. The caseworker is also responsible for about 200 pieces of paper. Per kid. Per kid. Not just in general, per kid. Per kid. And this caseworker, so this caseworker has, what if it's a sibling group of three? Yeah sitting at their desk, trying to do paperwork, trying to feed them, it can't be done. No, no. So in Washington County, we now have a home. Mm -hmm. Um, A very generous man came to Rhonda and said, I'm gonna buy you a house. He bought us a house and he flipped a house. And every child that walks in this house is greeted by a volunteer a volunteer that says, hi, my name is Kristen, and it's been a really scary day. You know, Kyle didn't have the opportunity to have someone else greet him and start his healing. With me, I was there, and if you ask him, his story is gonna say, well, that's the day my mama came to get me. (laughs) And as a foster parent, I am now, I was part of his trauma mm-hmm. instead of part of that healing. Instead, a volunteer would have met him at the door and said, come on in, are you hungry? Here's a fully stocked kitchen, whatever you want. You don't want anything in this kitchen, I'll go out and get it. Yeah. Praise God, we have the Chick-fil-A on West Market who gives a meal to every child, and every caseworker that walks in that door. So he walks in and somebody's already thought about him, right? Somebody's already put food out on the table. Somebody has already gotten it ready for him. Do you want to take a bath? There's a fully stocked bath. You want bubbles? You want to play with Elmo in there? Or you're a teenager? Do you want some dry shampoo? Yeah. Do you want some Dove? Those boys love Axe body spray. Oh my gosh. Well, I have a whole section of Axe body spray. What kind of, what smell do you want? Because it's not your fault. Yeah. And that's what we're finding over and over is that they come in and they feel down. They were just taken out of the only home they knew and they don't know what's next but they come into this home and they are fed and they are clothed. They are given a bath and they can rest. Do you want to watch TV with us? We're going to sit on this couch with you and just hang out. We're going to rest. You're going to experience this. And then you're not going to be the one that hears. Can you take this child? Can you take this child? 
because there's an office mm -hmm. and that caseworker can do their job and that caseworker comes in that caseworker who was just on the floor in that home trying to make that child feel safe they need to be supported too and so they're coming in can i get you something you want coffee do you want a Coke? It's in the fridge. It's cold. It's ready for you. Do you need to just go sit in the office and cry too? Yeah? Okay. Let me take you back here. All because of this vision of what if and our community said our children deserve better. I think that's the amazing thing is that um, all the time with awareness, you know, yes. I never knew that until I heard Rhonda tell me. Um, no, how would the you know? kids go to a conference room and um, and so that was one of my questions like I even had friends who were caseworkers but they don't talk about it because when they're not in it that's their only time to not have to think about it and feel about it yes. not that they aren't doing it internally anyway the whole time their whole lives yeah they don't they don't have to talk about it for just a few minutes right um, because I remember getting frustrated with a friend of mine who was doing that. I was like, why didn't you say something? And she said, because that's the one few minutes when we have a conversation where I don't have to talk, you know, constantly about it. So the Isaiah 117 house, they are homes in counties. You all go county by county. Um, you have committees do you call them committees yes. in those counties we have working boards working boards. Um, so each county um, is made up of a working board of about 14 people we have an executive board in carter county so carter mm -hmm. county is like our flagship right yeah um, and when we realized that this is happening everywhere and people say that's not happening in our county we have um coffee franklin and grundy are a combined trio over there and they said that's not happening in our county and they went and asked their children are sitting in a jail <gasps> oh my gosh it's happening everywhere everywhere and everybody says well how do we get one of those how do we get one of I and God has equipped Rhonda Paulson with a heart that goes mm -hmm. and serves and she's making it happen and she'll say, it's not me. It's not me. God is doing this. God is building these houses. But when our community finds out, they say, they take off. It's not ha going to happen here anymore. Right. It's not. So now we have, um, Carter was the first and we opened in Washington, mm -hmm. um, Green County. They yeah. are open and running. They built a house in 12 weeks from start to finish. Oh, Oh, those shows where they can build a house so yes. fast. Yes. And, and anybody who's listening who is building a house right now is frustrated because yes. it takes... I could not. We built our home and it did not take yeah, 12 Yeah, and it did not take 12 weeks. No, it didn't. Um, but that just goes to show how a little bit of awareness can make things happen because it's supposed to happen. Yes. Um, and these kids do deserve better, which is amazing. You all have homes spreading through Tennessee, mm -hmm. moving into the Knoxville area, yes. Middle Tennessee um, area. The governor came to the groundbreaking in Greene County mm -hmm. and he said, I want one of these in every county. There's 93 counties in the state. And so yeah. let's go. That is a scary thing. Um, uh, yeah, but what is even scarier is that there are children sitting in conference rooms right now mm -hmm. or jail cells 
or a jail cell. Who don't deserve to be there. No, it's not your fault. It's not. Um, and a third part of our mission that I feel like is something that I am learning now firsthand uh, is that we love the foster family. So when we got Kyle, um, that very first night on March 16th, Jason and I looked at each other, right? We'd been married eight months <laughs> and we barely knew each other, right? Yeah. And now we have a traumatized six-year-old sitting in our living room. Well, now what are we going to do with him? Like, he's like, like, he's here. <laughs> this like exotic animal. Like, what do you do with that thing? I don't know. And Jason said, well, let's go feed him. So we went to Chick-fil-A and it was the first time that I thought, okay, we can do this. And then you realized we have nothing. What's he supposed to sleep in tonight? Uh, does, he doesn't have pajamas. Oh gosh, okay, we're gonna need to go to Walmart. This is so expensive. Okay, we're, he doesn't have any, he can't sleep in, on pillows that say just married. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because yeah. that's what all of our stuff in there. We still have <laughs> wedding gifts sitting on the floor. <laughs> he can't sit, okay. And so we started calling. Um, I called a local consignment store downtown and said, we have nothing. She said, meet me in this parking lot. So we're meeting her, we're, and we were given these things that we needed, but what we should have had was family time at home. What we should have had were toys to play, and because that's what he deserved. And with the Isaiah 117 house, that's what happens. So a foster family will come to the home Right. when they are contacted and they'll sit on the couch with this child and say, my name's Kristen and today you're going to come home with me. And can I show you a picture of what our house looks like? And we have a dog. Do you want to see? Oh, you're, this dog's going to love snuggling with you. And do you think before we go, do you want to just go play on the playground for a little bit together? Because then that child had a next step of healing. Mm -hmm. Somebody loved that child walking in. Somebody loved that child while they were there. And then that foster family was able to come in as this healing was beginning. And then the volunteer gives bags and says, here's three to four days worth of stuff. Here's <laughs> clothes, here's shampoo, mm -hmm. here's a toothbrush, here's, you need sheets, mm -hmm. here's a pillow, here's stuffed animals, here's dump trucks so that you can just go home and be still. And that foster family is now being loved too. Mm -hmm. And that foster family is now focused on taking care of that child. And we have been living this mission, right? And then um, December 23rd, a 17 year old came to the house and I felt that pit again. I can't take a 17 year old. 17 year olds are scary. because that's what everybody thinks these 17 year olds are not. Um, they're children and they're scared and they're sad and they're broken and they know everything that has just happened because they weren't shielded at all. They, there was no. Because somebody thinks they're an adult. Yes. And, and this child who has been forced to be an adult when they are nowhere near ready to be an adult is now sitting on our couch at the Isaiah house, sad, and just wants somebody to love them. And they say, please don't send me to a group home this time. This time because it's happened before. This is not their first experience. But what these teenagers are seeing is a volunteer says, can I just watch TV with you? I don't know how to play that Xbox, but 
do you want to play the Xbox together? <laughs> um, and we experienced that goodness. So I saw her and I knew I had to bring her home. And I called my husband and I said, I know you're going to think this is crazy, but I need to bring her home. He said, well, I'll pick up some pizza for dinner and I'll meet you at home. <laughs> okay, thank you. It's the same conversation to say, when God tells you to do something, you just do it. Just do it. Whatever that looks like. I would love to know when I walk through the grocery store and I see others and I think, what is your conviction? What makes you feel uncomfortable that you're still doing because you feel like you've been told to do this, right? Like, yeah. I feel like when you're told to do something, you just do it. But like, that conviction feels pretty uncomfortable when I've just brought a 17-year-old home two days before Christmas. Yeah. But the Isaiah 117 house, they showed up. We had to move our two-year-old to our bedroom so that she could have her own bedroom upstairs. They showed up with a twin-size bed. We didn't even have to think twice about it. They gave her all her clothes that she would need. They gave her new makeup. And then they gave us Christmas gifts. I wasn't out shopping for Christmas on Christmas Eve. We were spending time as a new family on Christmas Eve because of the Isaiah 117 house. And so we preached this and we preached this, but I experienced it. And what you're experiencing is Jesus. <laughs> to be loved and to be served with nothing expected in return. We're just taking care of a child. And every girl deserves to have a mama to take her to get a prom dress. Yes. Every boy deserves to have somebody sitting in the stands at a sporting event, a graduation, or a club event. They deserve it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we get to do. And we get to support that foster family so they can do the things instead of worrying about the basic needs. That's pretty amazing. It's amazing. So you all have an awesome village. People say all the time that it takes a village and yes. any parent knows that it takes a village and you all have a pretty amazing village. But if people are listening and they're like, oh, is there one of these in my county? How can I get involved? Um, please call us. Um, <laughs> we're on the Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, Rhonda will say she did not have a Facebook until... Yeah, I knew something was wrong when Rhonda got Facebook. <laughs> so uh, we probably haven't told the listeners, but you and I have known each other for many years. Yes. You're Rhonda the reason and, I am in Tennessee. Yeah, I brought you home to my Tennessee. Yes. Um, from that scary Virginia. Virginia is not scary. It's not way, scary. It's great. It is great, but I brought you home to Tennessee. Um, but we... Both of us have known Rhonda forever, mm -hmm. and Rhonda would tell you several years ago that she was never going to be on social media because yeah. she hated it, yeah. and she was more into relationships face-to-face -face than social media. <laughs> she used to preach at me all the time, and I said, you just wait. You'll see how great it is, but you guys are on the Facebook. Yes. Um, so there is a main overall Isaiah 117 House page. And then from there, we also have a website if you're not on the social media. Um, but we also have individual county pages. So you can see currently there's actively, and I'll say this and it's probably changed like this morning, um, but right now there's 14 active counties that are building and growing um, to have a house. Um, and so you can look up your specific county and see if that's something there. And then um, look at their meetings. They'll have community meetings that um, 
that you can get involved in. And you know, you think, well, there is nothing I can do. You can, you have a lemonade stand. Mm -hmm. You can buy a t-shirt. We have, we have sold um, almost a hundred thousand t-shirts. Wow. Um, we said we did not know we were going to be a t-shirt ministry, but we are. <laughs> um, but the t-shirt allows us to walk in and say, oh, what is that? Well, did you know that mm -hmm. when children are removed? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, well, that doesn't happen in my county. It yes, does. yes, it does. <laughs> um, why don't you go make a phone call? And then people are going and doing it. And then they're calling and saying, how do I get one of these here? Well, then we have some next steps there mm -hmm. too. Um, so contacting us on social media is a direct way. Mm -hmm. I mean, it has all of our cell phones on there. We're on call all the time, right? We're just- 24 seven like yes. caseworkers. <laughs> we do, um, but we love what we do. Yeah, we love it. And so please, and you have volunteers that you need to be in the yes. house and you do training for that. We do. Um, so that you don't have to just show up and right. be there. No, you do. We are under the umbrella of the Department of Children's Services. Mm -hmm. And so we are state certified volunteers. And you're always there, you know, at the house mm -hmm. with a caseworker. But we need people to love the children and support mm -hmm. the children. So whether that's coming there, whether that's having a lemonade stand, whether that's buying a t-shirt to support them, you are supporting the children of your county. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you. I'm yes. trying to think if there's anything else we need to cover. I don't know. I feel so um, excited at the thought of other people hearing this in other areas. And once you know, mm -hmm. you can't unknow. You can't know. That's, That's one of the things. Um, I don't remember who said that, but I was. I've been to you know the fundraiser lunches, and I've heard Rhonda yes. talk about it. And it's like you can't. Can't know. know. And you know we have. You just think these children that have had these experiences. Um, can I tell you some stories? Yeah, the tell house? Me some stories. Um, we had a 17-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to foster or adopt a 17-year-old boy. And so when he came in, we knew he was, he would be there a while. And the volunteer said, do you just watch some TV? So they started watching the cooking network mm -hmm. and they spent the whole day watching the cooking channel. And she said, I just felt like he really loved it. He really could get into it. And when we knew that he was coming back the next day, the volunteer said, I'm going to be there all day tomorrow too. And she said, am I allowed to go and buy ingredients of stuff we watched today? Well, yes, Good of deal. course you can. Here, here's a gift card. Another way people support us mm -hmm. is getting us gift cards. And so she went and bought every ingredient of everything that they had watched. And so day number two, when he came in, they made chicken pot pie mm -hmm. and they made a peach cobbler and he served the caseworker, he served the volunteer, mm -hmm. and he was able to stay. He stayed for six days. Wow. And on day six, uh, I wasn't there, I had been out, and so the volunteer called and said, they found placement. And so he wanted to talk to you before he left. And when he got on the phone, he said, thank you for having me. And that's the difference of the Isaiah 117 house. Thank you for having you. We were like, glad to have you. We were, it, 
it is our joy mm -hmm. and it's what you deserved. But that 17 year old boy, it wasn't his first time mm -hmm. sitting in an office. And so to hear his experience, to say, thank you for having me. He knew he was a guest, and not just something that had been happening to him, that he was forced to sit in a conference room. Yeah. He had had six days of volunteers coming out and cooking with him and playing basketball with him. Uh, he made soap. <laughs> he made, there's a soap baby. He made soap. <laughs> but he had six days of it. Where he didn't feel like a burden. Where he felt like he, he had no. a place to be. And six days of caseworkers, instead of them being round the clock trying mm -hmm. to make sure he has all these things, he was loved. He was mm -hmm. taken care of. Um, you just, he's a child and you see that he's a child. We had a 16 year old girl. She came twice and she told us she would, we knew she would be back. Mm -hmm. Um, she had been on the run and she said, don't put me in another group home. I'm going to run again. And so she did. She came to us the first time. And she's like, I can have, I can have this. This is for me. Yes. And then she went to a group home and she ran. She came back a few weeks later and she walked in the door. And it's like the story of the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. Like she left and she made terrible choices and she has had a, an awful little life. And she is sad and she is broken and she is trying to find love anywhere she can. And she came back and she could rest again and she could sleep on the couch and she could get clothes because she came back with nothing again. And it doesn't matter. There's no such thing. So she came back. She had been on the run and she came back with nothing. But what she was greeted with wasn't somebody angry, wasn't somebody telling her how much she had done wrong, was somebody saying, it's been a hard week. Can I get you a, a shower? Here, here's some clothes. Somebody telling her that she's loved and she's wanted. And we have a volunteer that said, next time she's back, you call me. Mm. Because she's been with her two other times. Our children deserve to be loved. Yes. They have done nothing wrong and so we are experiencing this over and over again let's do a reality check how many kids do you see a week mm. that's a tricky question because it kind of ebbs and flows it, yes um so that's a very tricky question it just depends. We have had 25 that have walked through our door since September. In Washington County. In Washington County. Um, last week in Carter County, they had children there every day. Mm -hmm. um, there was a sibling set of seven in um, Greene County. Mm -hmm. Like it, it just depends. Yes, there's not a real, there's not a real answer to that. But the good news is, is they come this and, and again, Isaiah 117 house is not a foster home. No. It is a, we are a temporary placement for children waiting for foster care for a foster family to mm -hmm. come to the house. So an average day is six to eight hours. Yeah. Um, 
just sometimes it's more. and it could be it's more because we and specifically in Washington County we have a lot of teenagers wow. um, and so nobody wants teenagers because you think well, I can't take a teenager what mm-hmm. is that going to do to my children what I want to say is what is it doing to your children to not know my three now sit at the bar together as we have supper and as I cook supper and they do homework together. And my 17-year-old is, praise God for my 17-year-old that is teaching my nine-year-old about money because it makes me want to pull my hair out. But she's the one who sits there and say, okay, let's look at these again. Mm-hmm. My children know that there's brokenness mm-hmm. and they know that our family fixes it. That's what foster care does. Um when you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. But you can. Yeah. You can do it. I don't know where else. I was. Well, and I like that when you know better, you do better. And it is, it teaches, um, I think one of the things, and and we won't be controversial with this at all, but when you know better, you do better. And your kids can help you do better. Because they see things from a very different perspective. We're both moms yeah. and we know that. So our small people see something um, that they can't comprehend. So when they're part of it and they're part of the healing, it makes them more kind and compassionate, which I think we can both agree on is something that the world needs today, a little kindness and compassion as we move forward. Um, My little saw a homeless person the other day. We were traveling and... In her mind, they were camping out because she's little and she doesn't know any better. And so it opened the opportunity to have the conversation um, about what they're doing. But I was pretty thankful that she saw it as camping out and not as something scarier than than that in her world. Um, But, you know, she's sheltered in a very different environment than some of the kids even in her class are. Yes. And, and that's, that's the hard part. Yeah. We're seeing our children in every community that are saying, Oh, these could be my friends in my class. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to have a lemonade stand because I want to give money to the kids that are going. And Kyle will say, mom, when I grow up, um, I'm going to get my kids from the red door house. <laughs> My son is going to change another child's life that because he, his life has changed. Because he knew he knows better. Mm-hmm. He knows that our family is created by foster care, mm-hmm. by adoption. And so when our children know better, they're doing better. So like, is this next generation gonna be better? Because especially here in Tennessee, mm-hmm. already, because they know that children are in foster care and they know that children need to be loved and that that's how families are created. Like we're doing the right thing. Absolutely. It's come, you know, it's like common mm-hmm. sense. Like, Oh, our, well, our children know, well, of course we're going to have a lemonade stand mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to give all this money because we have that money. Okay, we're not keeping perfect. it for ourselves. We're giving it to the Isaiah 117 house. That's amazing. Kids um, are awesome. They are. <laughs> They're much better than adults. They yes. get it. They're yes. pure hearts for sure. Well, Kristen, thank you for sitting down with me today. And thank you for to talk us. about it. Uh, Isaiah117house.com 
if you are interested. Um, you can also find a link on our Facebook page to their Facebook page when we publish this. And thank you again for sitting down with us. Anytime. Appreciate Living out my podcast much. dreams. I know. Next time we'll talk about Solutions Made Simple. That's the next channel that's launching to our listeners. Um, Solutions Made Simple. If you like this podcast, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. It helps us know what content you like and helps us get the word out. The Women Empowered Podcast is a production of Bank of Tennessee, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Thank you.